Yum nub. Eat out the yum nub. Hello and welcome to Yubcast, your Star Wars cartoon podcast. My name is Matt, and are you calling me a liar? <laughs> and my name's Jamie, and you look strong enough to pull the ears off a of Gundark. <laughs> oh, excellent. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, before we get into it, you should just. Um, talk about what we're doing today. Today we're doing a review of a Clone Wars episode. Where's my notes? Um, season 1, episode 11, Dooku Captured. Um, but before we do that, we haven't we didn't record last week because I wasn't feeling well. So we haven't talked in person in a couple of weeks. So have you done any Star Wars in the past couple of weeks? Uh, just the usual. Um, fond over that new Ahsoka trailer. Um it, of course, came out when I had to go into the office, so I uh, wasn't able to see it right away. But, uh, yeah, I've been going through that with a fine-tooth comb the best I can. Um, so that's pretty exciting. But uh, nothing nothing out of the ordinary, just the usual, just watching random episodes or parts of movies that I want to watch. How about you? The trailer, the new trailer for Silka came out. That's fun. Um, so I've watched that a bunch of times and taunted you for being at work. Um, and then I'm I'm looking I'm looking at my Audible right now. I am about two thirds of the way through Path of Vengeance, um, which is the High Republic novel. Um, I think it's the end of Phase Two novel, um, where they're on Planet X and doing various things on Planet X. You finished this book, right? Yeah, yeah, it's a good book. It's great so far. Mm-hmm. I'm like terrified what what Marta's gonna do. She's going to do something crazy. <laughs> I get I get really skeeved out around true believers and and anything, you know. I really Oh yeah. I really am like very much skeptical in my nature and skeptical of anything. And there's no sin greater to me than worship, ironically. So when people, <laughs> like when she's talking about like like she has this absolute belief that using the force is wrong, and anyone that uses the force is doing something wrong. And it's like like her her justification for her actions make me very uncomfortable. It's super well written. Kevon Scott is a brilliant writer. To like yeah. be, be, make me feel like so uncomfortable around this fictional character. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, people like, people like that are very difficult to be around because they don't. They don't listen to reason. They show, like her character is supposed to, like there's like tragedy in their in their lives, and they came in as children and then just were treated well by the by the path. I think rescued. I think, and so like she she has she has doesn't have the ability to think that well maybe maybe what I'm thinking is wrong. She just they just instead of I mean, that sort of thing they just double down on what they believe and so it's just yeah it's it's difficult it's difficult like in in uh, any media or real life it's even particularly horrible in real life because there's real consequences yeah i mean like the the story that they're telling about like marta um she comes from a race or a species i guess in the parlance of star wars that is often looked on in a negative light, right? So she's subject to this sort of institutional, like cultural racism against her. And so she finds 
she finds a home in this cult and is given purpose and then the affection of the cult leader the mother is metered out for her in a very abusive way there's like oh, no yeah. there's no other way to put it mm-hmm. right she is just like the mother giveth and the mother taketh away and it's and she only does it like the mother's a brilliant villain because she's doing it in this super manipulative way and i just keep thinking like like these people are going to snap and kill this cult leader or something's yeah. going to happen <laughs> yeah, well recently uh in the news like one of the uh, manson family was released from prison and so now like like um like a lot of like the shows that are like murder shows on fridays like there was one that did something on the the murders in the manson family and just like how like like how could this this psycho guy like get um get such control over people and it's just like well a little bit of charisma and saying just the right things they will just believe and they'll be eating out of your pocket and even when you contradict, contradict yourself they'll still be like okay the 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 flanders thing of like um saying that like he's a he followed the bible even the parts that contradict the other stuff and then like being kosher just to be sure right have you ever seen the the um documentary hot girls wanted by Put together by Rashida Jones, the uh, the actor from The Office. Like no, Rashida, Rashida Jones has been in a bunch of things, but she, Rashida Jones, um, do you know who I'm talking about? She was like in Parks and Recreation and The Office and Silo and the movie I Love You Man and things like that. She's like the short brunette woman. Okay, I I have I have a basic picture in my mind. Yeah, so she 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 has a film company that does documentaries. And one of the documentaries she did was called Hot Girls Wanted, which is a documentary about um, the the modern like internet porn industry, about how they farm young women to do this. And she like followed a group of young women through like them getting recruited into this and like what happens to them and how they make money and how much money they make and how they're treated. And it's it's so revealing about how terrible like like it's like these women don't know like yes they make money but like the the guys behind this he's such a like the guy who's recruiting them is such a slime bag and he's just like he's just like there's an infinite infinite pool of women who think this is their way out and so all they all i have to do is keep posting to these message boards and they find me oh yeah it's it's just, it's just like it's like if it's that mentality again. It's just like all I have to do is show them some other alternative, and they jump at it. It just makes me like this whole. It's just another cult. This is just like another cult, another fucked up way of life. Yeah, it's um a, a podcast I listened to uh, recently did a four part series on Vince uh, Vince McMahon, and just like how like wrestlers are treated. They're just treated like hunks of meat. Uh, and cat cast aside the second that they're they're no longer useful. Um, that guy's a piece of work, but yeah, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. People, God, people who just exploit people like that just really uh, grinds my gears. Uh, they just treat people like uh, like commod like commodities. They'd have no problem um, a few hundred years ago to be slavers. Exactly. Yeah. So I clicked on it, and apparently she helped direct part of part of the movie but the actual director 
is named Jill Bauer. But uh, yeah, like I recommend it. It it was in Sundance in 2015. It's short. It deals with obviously graphic sexual content. So if that's not your thing, don't watch it. But it's it's fascinating and sort of like a traumatizing way of how that industry works. Anyway, yeah, yeah, I'm a very um, I'm a weird prude when it comes to certain things. <laughs> so I I, I, know. I might. <laughs> Sorry, I wouldn't take my pants off in front of you, Matt. I'm more worried when you do. <laughs> um, yeah, so back to Star Wars. Um, other than that, I've I watched some Bad Batch with the boys, and we watched this Clone Wars episode with the boys. Um, my friend was in town. Uh, old friend from high school and college was in town. He was passing through doing the whole tourist thing with his family. And a mutual friend of ours from back then um, had given him a bunch of Star Wars stuff to give me. <laughs> they all live in Phoenix. Actually, the one guy was moving out of Phoenix and just dropped off a bunch of stuff at his house. Literally just left it on his front doorstep with a note saying, you're going to D.C., give to Matt. <laughs> so I have a new Star Wars Trivial Pursuit game still in the shrink wrap. I haven't opened it, but maybe we can play trivia on some of our episodes using those cards. I have a Star Wars Monopoly game based on episode one. Um, boys and I and my wife, we played it the other night, although she got bored. My wife got bored because Monopoly takes forever. Mm-hmm. And so we stopped right when it was getting to the end game. Um, and then I got the um, 35 millimeter trailer for episode two. Yeah, that's rad. That's rad. <laughs> and I don't know what I'm going to do with it, but um, it's sitting here on my desk. Yeah. It's, it's right now. Just keep it safe. Yeah, pretty cool. Um, they didn't know this, like my friend or like neither of these friends knew this, but I had bid on a 35 millimeter trailer reel on eBay just so I could see what it went for. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I think about buying weird things like that related to Star Wars. And the trailer for the Clone Wars animated movie was up for auction um, on eBay. And I was just curious how much it would go for. And so I put in a bid of like $50. It was, it was already at like $30. And I was like, $50, like I'll just do that just so I can track it. And it can be in my history so I can see how mm-hmm. much it sold for. It went for way more than $50, and I did not bid more. <laughs> but it was an interesting experiment. This one, Episode 2 trailer, there's more of them out there. Although I think last time I looked, there's only two on eBay, and they're both going for about $50. Just a cool thing to have. Yeah. Got to yeah, figure out what to do with it. but Get a projector. Yeah, I looked at that. I'm thinking there might be might be some options there. Projectors are a little hard to come by, but I think if you're willing to fix one, they're pretty cheap. But other than that, I have been trying to convince my wife we need to finish Andor, because the last episode she saw was Eye of Aldani. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, we've had a hard time keeping up. She's had a hard time keeping up with Star Wars. Boys, too. There's just so much Star Wars. Yeah, that might be changing soon. Right. Right. <laughs> um, right. So while we're recording this, 
um, there's a writer strike and an actor strike going on. And Bob Iger, the CEO of Disney, recently said that they're going to start producing this content. I don't know if this was like some sort of threat, like a coded threat to the people striking, or if he means it. Um, I don't know. It, it's just not... If people were to push me on this, I think if I were in his position, I would think the only way to maintain those subscriptions to Disney Plus is to make the content available and to increase the content. Maybe there's too much. Maybe it's been too much of a pace lately. Um, but like we said, Ahsoka's coming out, Acolyte's coming out, and or season two is supposedly in pre-production, although I don't know what that means right now with everybody on strike. <laughs> um, and, and Skeleton Crew's coming out, right? So a lot of these things are in post-production. We'll see. Yeah. I've, I've lived through very dark times with very little content before, so. Well, yeah, there's, there, there's enough... <laughs> There's enough to sustain me for quite a while. Um, I, as much as I would like more content, I, I can understand pulling back a little bit. But they say they're pulling back with Star Wars and Marvel. I can understand Marvel because it's it's a lot of it's just linear. It's it's all stuff that's happening after uh, Endgame. So and a lot of that's hard to get into. Um, but um, because like you've we've already done the major superheroes that everybody knows. Now we're kind of scraping the bottom of the barrel for those of us who aren't deep into um, Marvel uh, canon. Um, but like I would still I still think there's still plenty to do with Star Wars. Like because you can do higher public stuff. You could do stuff way like you could, the only things you can can't really do is forward. Except for like the like the movies, but you can do plenty of stuff back. And there's ways to make like an oversaturated um, kind of timeline, like the you know the the, um, the Empire era, to make it really great, like Andor. Right. Do we need Andor? No. I mean, we kind of know what happens, but having watched it, it's like yeah, we definitely needed to see like it from the perspective of regular people from. Um, just all like the we knew that they did bad stuff, but you could actually see the bad stuff that they're doing to people, just on a not people who are members of the Rebel Alliance, but just ordinary people, the jailing people, like torturing them to get information, killing them, um, like ostracizing the one guy just because he like he fell in love with a local, um, just all that sort of stuff. Um, so I mean, there's plenty of room for more Star Wars, but I'm not in charge of Disney. Yet, yet. Uh, so I was I was a little worried that we wouldn't have something to talk about for the show opener because I didn't think of anything, but now I've got something. I googled the worst Marvel superheroes, and um, I want to read some of them to you. <laughs> oh yeah, I've got a, I bought this book. Um, well, no, I didn't buy it. I, it got sent to me, I think, by um, oh one of those boxes um, box companies. It was a loot crate. Yeah, loot crate, something like one of those. Yeah, and it was um, it was like the worst superheroes ever invented. Yeah, there's a there's an this American Life episode, um, which is another podcast. Don't listen to their podcast. It's not our podcast. Um, <laughs> yeah, one of the most popular podcasts ever created. Um, radio shows slash podcasts. Um, 
and they had a guest on who who writes books about bad superheroes. But um, can I read a couple of these too from this website? Oh, please do. First one is called Leather Boy, <laughs> and, and I'm putting I'm putting a image of Leather Boy into our chat. <laughs> please check the chat. <laughs> um. Sh- <laughs> Shouldn't he be? He's wearing a ball gag in that one. He's wearing a ball gag. (laughs) This is definitely a leather daddy. Yeah. Um. Anyway, this this characterization of this person says he makes it into the Great Lakes Adventure Avengers team. I don't know what that is. Um. And uh, for a brief period after responding to Mister Immortal's classified ad seeking quote men and women of action. So. He's even hairy. Oh, God. He's, he's a bear. <laughs> he's a bear. <laughs> All right, I'm going to skip. There's 3D man. Um, he sees everything in 3D, like a normal person does. <laughs> oh, right. Okay. Uh, Hellcow. Hellcow, better, uh, it's called Bessie, better known as Hellcow, is a vampire cow. Um, cow plus vampire equals Hellcow. Um, it's pretty, um, also pretty yeah. cool. Oh, sure. Okay. Yeah. I'm sending you the image because Hellcow is pretty funny. Oh my god. Um, and then there's there's a Marvel c- character called Asbestos Lady, and she's a brilliant chemist gone crazy. Victoria Murdoch became Asbestos Lady after creating a fireproof clothing using asbestos. Um, this villain has hated the Fantastic Four's Human Torch and became his nemesis. So there you go. Okay, yeah. These these are reminding reminding me of the uh, superheroes that Jesse created in Breaking Bad. I don't remember that bit. Oh, it was like one of the earlier seasons. Like I think when he was um, with the 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 girl who plays Jessica Jones. Right. Um, like like one of them was like a superhero who can only like run backwards or something. <laughs> oh right. <laughs> Oh God! All right, I'm not going to do any. I'm going. I'm going to do one more of these. Um, a hindsight lad. Um, he has the amazing ability to say annoying things like "If we had only done it my way," admits destruction. Um, so he's just a kibitzer. That's a superpower. <laughs> this is somebody that appeared um, in a Marvel comic in the Marvel comic universe. But I do recommend people. Look up shitty comic book um, uh, characters because comic books, it's tough. We, we have a pretty decent Marvel history because we buy the omnibuses for the boys. But uh, there's just no way to get to all of all of the shittiness in, <laughs> in, in the history of comics. All right. Do you want to move on to the show or is there yeah, anything you want to talk about? Uh, no, let's um, let's get into the show. All right, so um, you're going to do the summary today, but before we do that, I thought I'd reintroduce what we're doing. So we're doing Dooku Captured, which is Season 1, Episode 11. It originally aired on January 2nd, 2009. Sorry. Um, Before we get into the plot, though, I wanted to talk about one of the the actors. And today's episode is the introduction of the character um, Hondo Anaka who was portrayed by Jim Cummings. Um, 
Um, so you and I talked a little bit before we started recording about Jim Cummings' career, but he is um, a prolific voice actor. He's been in a ton of different cartoons going back to the 80s. Um, he played characters on Winnie the Pooh, including Pooh and Tigger in the 1980s. Um, and then in the 1990s, he was in Darkwing Duck. Um, and then he played the Disney villain Pete, which is sort of the the cat who's the the big fat cat who's the foil to Goofy a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, he's um, yeah he's like he started off as always kind of like he never really had like a name. I think he, he started him off like in the early in the like like he you can see versions of him in like early Disney shorts where he's like um he's like a drill instructor to um to donald right because he, he joined the army or something um yeah and then it slowly he evolved into having his own name which the cool thing about like if you're a parent you start to recognize um voice actors because when you have little kids they watch cartoons and and then and they watch tons of cartoons and you start to think they're like oh i know that voice and then Jim Jim Cummings is one of those people that you recognize. I recognized him um, from um, uh, Mickey Mouse Clubhouse because my kids watch that constantly. He's he's uh, he's Ray in Princess and the Frog, Tigger. And in fact, with Tigger, he also played Tigger in the Christopher Robin movie, which also had Ewan McGregor in it. So that's, that's right. another. It's like Star Wars uh, connection. Yeah, he was in. He's done a bunch of Disney movies. He was in The Princess and the Frog and Aladdin. He played Razul and Farouk in Aladdin. Um, he was the Tasmanian Devil in Looney Tunes. The, uh, that guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If there's a if there's a cartoon that your kids watched, go to his IMDb page and you'll probably find that. Um, you'll 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 find that cartoon. And then, and then, last thing I want to mention about him is that he was Monterey Jack in the Chippendales Rescue Rangers, which, if you know his voice, that tracks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just just kind of going, just kind of like going through, just like I mean, like I, I have to scroll a little bit just to get out of the two thousand tens. It's it's pretty impressive. Yeah, I mean, like you said, if you if you can think of a cartoon, he's done it. Um, He's in, like, I'm just scrolling through right now, and he's in Batman. He's in the 1990s Batman. So he's he's in everything I can think of. <laughs> right? Uh, it's Batman, and that's it. Right. All right. Do you want to move well, on to the show? Yeah. Or else I, yeah. Got to stop, or else I'm just going to keep cycling through his, uh, his, his IMDb page. The beginning of the episode starts with the saying, the winding path to peace is always a worthy one, regardless of how many turns it takes. Okay, so it starts, there's a manhunt. Um, after a long and perilous search, the Republic is finally able to track down Dooku. Anakin has gone missing, and Obi-Wan heads to a Separatist frigate in the Outer Rim to rescue his friend. Now, um, 
this is Obi-Wan. He's uh he's doing uh, pretty much an EVA. Um um he's traveling uh, sorry, he's traveling via uh, EVA uh to the ship. I think is this the first time that in in Star Wars that we have seen um someone in a spacesuit? I think um, so. Doing a spacewalk? I think so. I think this is the first time we've seen in the order, definitely in the order that we're watching them, I th- I'm pretty sure this is the first time we see them in a pressurized suit. And like I said before we started recording, this is the last episode where they did the Clone Wars Decoded, which is like the pop-up video version where there's like little facts like overlaid on the show. And the fact about the pressure suit is that it lets Obi-Wan survive for 10 hours. It's got 10 hours of air. Right on. Okay, so... So he sneaks through uh, several battle droids to the cell block um, slash uh, brig. He opens the cell and he finds two Nikto prisoners. And then he's just like, nope, sorry. No, he doesn't even say sorry. He's just like, see you later. And then <laughs> closes them in. I wanted, this uh, to be, I wanted this to be a bit, though. I wanted him to keep opening cells and like, have, have like someone like doing laundry in one or, or have like one, one be full, full of like mice or something. Like just... Lots of opportunity for comedy here that didn't happen. Mm-hmm. So he he opens another cell and goes in. Doesn't see anything, but Obi, uh, sorry, Anakin jumps down to attack him. Obi Wan draws his saber um, when he recognizes Anakin. They banter as usual. Uh, Obi Wan gives Anakin his lightsaber back, and their conversation reveals that this was a trap to locate Dooku, and Anakin was the bait. Anakin wants to know why he's always the bait, and Obi Wan says that. He, when he's the master, he can pick his role. And then Anakin's like, well, how can I ever be uh, a, uh, how, how many, um, how can I ever become a master when I'm always bait? You're on this council, but we do not grant you the rank of master. He's like, well, you're a master baiter. Um, no, he didn't say that. <laughs> but he, ma- he makes a, awesome. Obi-Wan makes a joke about him being really good at being bait. Um, you're really good baiter. <laughs> yeah. You're really good at baiting it. Yeah. So here's your saber. <laughs> you can't bait without your saber. Okay. Okay. So uh, so the two arrive at Dooku's chambers, and he's meditating. They draw their lightsabers, and Dooku taunts them and says that uh, Anakin always needs Obi-Wan to rescue him. That uh, And he, he says, I can't remember what exactly he says, but he kind of hints at what like what happens in episode three is like well what's going to happen when he's not there to rescue you right um so the ship becomes uh, under attack um ah- ahsoka's on the cruiser that's attacking them dooku calls them fools and falls through a trap door on the floor anakin follows down the chute while obi-wan heads to the hangar in the chute uh it's a sort of slide um dooku shoots force lightning at anakin he absorbs it with his lightsaber there's a fork in the tube, and Anakin doesn't see which way Dooku went. Dooku drops out of the chute and into the hangar. Um, there's a, a battle droid tells him a, his ship's ready. Obi-Wan shows up um, as the ships are leaving, Dooku and his droid escorts. Obi-Wan steals a shuttle. Anakin arrives in the hangar and jumps onto the shuttle. And they are pursu- this and this is also the, the type of shuttle that um, ends up becoming the new... Um, the new shuttle for the, the uh, Phantom. The new Phantom, yeah. For the Ghost, the ship. Yep. And Rebels. Yep. It's a good call. Um, I, didn't, I didn't notice that, but that is, it is the same shuttle. Yeah. So um, 
they're pursuing Dooku and his escorts. Obi-Wan calls uh, Ahsoka to give her the details of their escape. Anakin is piloting, uh, and Obi-Wan is shooting. Dooku's sail ship is damaged, and he starts to crash um, on a planet. Obi-Wan engages the fighter escorts, and their shuttle is damaged by the collision. Anakin crash lands on the same planet as Dooku, right next to Dooku's ship, which in Star Wars, you always find the person on a planet. Yeah, um, let's, let's stop here for a second. This is this is just a really... This is basically the cold open of the episode, right? Because... Like I know these these were designed to be like two and three episode arcs. Um, this one's not any different than that. Um, but like this setup is is just wild. It's like we don't we're once again dropped in the middle of the action. We don't know why Anakin's there. We don't know how they found Dooku or what's going on. We just know that Obi Wan and Anakin have to fight Dooku, and Dooku escapes sort of and immediately gets shot down, and then they're immediately shot down. Right, so. What's the plan? Like, what is your plan here? Right? Is it just to kill Dooku? Right? Because he could have blown up a ship, probably. But I don't know. There's a, there's a lot of cool callbacks or, or like references. Like we see Dooku's sail ship from Episode Two. Um, his pilot droid is there from Episode Two. Like all of this, have we seen them absorb Force lightning with a lightsaber before? I think they do that in Episode Two as well, right? I think either Obi Wan does that or. Yoda does that because Anakin's not ready for it and he gets zapped. That's right. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Obi Wan does it and and with his lightsaber and Yoda does it with his hand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just this whole thing is just really exciting. It's we're sort of halfway through season one now and they're starting to figure out like how to do this animation stuff. Is I really like the way Dooku looks in this episode. I think the animation's gotten way way better from the last couple of arcs. Um, and yeah, this is, this episode was actually produced later, like later in the run and dropped back here. Um, but we can talk about production stuff later. I just, what do you think of this first opening when, right before they get to the planet? Oh, I thought it's, uh, I thought it was pretty good. I, I enjoyed it. Uh, ex- exciting. There, there are some problems that I have, but it, it's more like later. Um, okay. But, um, right, anyways, so, um. On the planet uh, Vancor, uh, they they investigate the crashes. Uh, Dooku has put a homing beacon on his ship. Anakin destroys the beacon, and Obi-Wan sees some caves off in the distance and decides to investigate them. So this is one of the things I had trouble with. Um, so inside the cave, uh, Anakin and Obi-Wan see many life forms, including Dooku. They proceed into the cave, and they hear some growling, and the ceiling collapses. Obi-Wan yells, run, and Anakin is pinned under the rocks, dropping his lightsaber. Dooku is standing there and uses the Force to get uh, Anakin's lightsaber. Dooku heads heads out of the cave and collapses the entrance as he leaves, headed back to the surface. Dooku sees a ship and some weak-way pirates uh, looting the wreckage of the two ships. Dooku approaches the pirates, and then who we end up finding out is Hondo. He asks Dooku who he is. Now back in the cave, Anakin digs his way out of the using, or he digs his way out of the rocks using the Force. He's calling for Obi Wan. Obi Wan's fine. They can't find Anakin's labor, lightsaber. Obi Wan's lightsaber is broken, and they hear some growling, uh, and a uh, gun dark shows up. And uh, Obi Wan does get, uh, does a lot of chastising to Anakin for not having his lightsaber. There's a, there's actually a funny 
Mine or Anakin's just like, oh, like a, a rock hit it, knocked it out of my hands, and then Obi Wan tries to like use his lightsaber, and he's like, and he's like, because it like goes on and off, on and off, and then Anakin's like, huh, I don't know, maybe a rock hit it. Yeah, uh, there's a lot of <clears throat> there's a lot of joyful banter between the two. Um, there's actually like a little throwaway scene in in this sort of exchange where a, a pebble, <clears throat> sorry, just a second where a pebble bounces off Obi-Wan's armor because Anakin throws a rock at him. <laughs> like, it bounces off one of his chest plates. It's just it's just fun. Like, they're ribbing each other, and it sounds critical, but I think it's more just jocular. Mm-hmm. Okay. What was, your, what was your issue here? Okay. So, Dooku's in the cave. Um, call for backup, wait, uh, and then just... He's got to come out eventually. Like, surround, surround the area. Or... Just he's there once once the once the ship arrives, leave and turn the entire place to glass. It's like it might hurt Hondo, <laughs> but yeah, nuke it for more of it. You know, yes, aerial bombardment, total planet bombardment. Um, I thought it would be I thought it was a little funny that that they made such a big deal about the homing beacon, um, and then immediately destroyed it. Mm-hmm. They're like they're like oh he's he's calling for help and then he smashes it. Yeah, I don't think so. And he's like yeah. I was hoping like I was hoping like they were gonna have to reprogram it or something like like no one knew where they were either sort of thing but I don't know it's just like weird these these it's like Chekhov's gun right if you introduce like an element it should have a purpose yeah I mean at, at least they like they just dismissed it right away versus just leaving it because then you're thinking like oh some reinforcements will show up and they never do um. Okay, so let's see where we're. Um, so back at the shipwreck, um, Hobi, uh, sorry, Hobi One, uh, Hondo is impressed with Dooku's solar sail ship. Uh, Dooku says that uh, they hit an asteroid storm. Hondo, um, Hondo can have the ship. Hondo has a pet uh, Quakian monkey lizard named Pilf Muckmuck, and he's red uh, compared to the the ones we normally see. Yeah, so there was there was actually going to be two of these um, Kwaki and monkey lizards in this episode, and they were they were supposed to be called Pilf and Pick, Pick and Pilf, Muck Muck, but they decided they couldn't afford. We'll talk about reasons later, but <clears throat> they were trying some new things from an animation point of view with this episode, and they decided that they didn't want to have to animate two of these things, so they just made Pilf. Hmm. Pilf, the one that they kept, and and Pick was yellow, and Pilf is red. Right. So. Uh, yeah. And so Pilf, uh, and Pilf is short for pilfer. He's a pickpocket. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Um. So uh, Hondo says that uh, Florum is the closest system. Hondo says Vancar is not the safest place after dark. Hondo asks for a fee to help Duku. Duku says he's willing to compensate Hondo for the transport to Florum. He also says Florum is six parsecs away, which is not close. Yeah. Six six parsecs is something like 160 trillion miles. It is not close. But it's astronomical distance, but even six parsecs is a very long way. Mm-hmm. So they must be really, really out there. So uh, in the caves, Anakin's running from the Gundark. Uh, he's trading barbs with uh, Obi-Wan. says that he thought... Gundarks only lived on Vancor. Obi-Wan replies, then this must be Vancor. 
Uh, Anakin is using the Force to lift boulders and throw it at the Grundark. Obi-Wan is trying to fix his lightsaber. Obi-Wan just lifts a boulder and hits the Gundark. They both attack the Gundark with boulders. It's now buried and knocked out. Very much how um, Obi-Wan fights Vader in the season finale of the Obi-Wan series. I love we did this because I was watching this and I was like, this is the fight. Like, this is their fighting this Gundark like they fight each other later. Mm -hmm. I love it. It's... I don't. I don't have. A, I don't have a clue if the people who were making Obi Wan the series thought about this episode when they did this. But when I was watching it earlier today, I was like, "Holy shit! This looks almost exactly like this fight." Yeah, I mean, maybe they're thinking more of like, like, like what Ray did at the end of the Last Jedi. But either way, you know, it's pretty awesome. So I did look it up. Um, within five parsecs of our sun, how many stars do you think there are? Um, I don't know. A hundred. There are about a hundred stars within five parsecs of us. So there's, so in our, in our, like, neighborhood, intensity of stars is about a hundred for every five parsecs circle. So maybe, maybe they are way out there and, and that is the closest, but there should be a lot of stars within a five parsecs yeah. or six parsecs of that. Well, location. stop me if I'm wrong, but if like the further they get out from the, the galactic center towards the edge of the galaxy there will be um, there would be less and less yeah there's a density gradient that decreases away from the supermassive black hole out to the edge of the galaxy so yeah if they're on the outer yeah presumably they're on the outer rim of the galaxy so the density is going to be lower right but mm-hmm. we're also but our planet our solar system is also sort of on the edge of the Milky Way right so we're sort of an outer rim planet hate to break it to you <laughs> <laughs> we're we're part of the we're part of the trailer park of the uh, of the galaxy. I'm sorry, is this news to you? <laughs> <laughs> no, it it tracks. What's the line? Uh, whatever the, the from the farthest point from the center of the galaxy or whatever Luke says. Yeah. I gotta look it up. Oh yeah, like uh, or if there's a right center of the galaxy, you're 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 the farthest. The point is the farthest from. Yeah, something like that. You're very yeah. close, I think. <laughs> yeah, that's us. We're an outer rim planet. I'm sorry, everybody. <laughs> hmm. That's why have you you've been out you've been camping, right? Obviously, you've <laughs> you've seen the Milky Way, mm-hmm. right? You've seen you've looked up and seen like the the big swath of Milky Way. The reason why the reason why you can look in one direction and see it, and when you turn around, you don't see it is because you're standing on the edge of the plate. And when you look out over the plate, you see the plate. And when you turn around and look away from the center of the plate, you see nothing, right? And so if you've been in a situation where it's dark enough to see the Milky Way, it's only in one direction from where you're standing. Um, So that's, we can also look at a galactic map because there's good galactic maps. Um, We are definitely on the edge of the Milky Way. We're an outer rim planet. Um, That's why all these fat guys are running it. Part of the Hut Syndicate. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. So on Hondo's ship, they arrive at Florum. There's dozens of weak Quay pirates waiting for them with all their guns drawn. Dooku realized uh, he is missing his and Anakin's lightsaber. Hanakin calls Dooku a Jedi, and Dooku corrects him that he is a Sith Lord. So Pilf it happens off camera, but Pilf takes lightsabers. You see Pilf with them mm-hmm. later, and this is sort of 
it is implied slash in written material about the episode that Pilf and Pick take the lightsabers, but only Pilf is in the episode. Do you want to talk yeah. about? Do you want to talk about the pirate ship? Yeah, so it's like a big flying saucer. Um, yeah, they're called they're called Corona class. What is it? Corona class armed frigates, and they are modeled almost. There are there like a visual quote from the 1950s film Earth versus the Flying Saucers, um, down to the sound. So the sound of the ships flying around is generated by a musical instrument called the theremin. And they use the theremin to generate the sounds for these. And it's the flying saucer noise. It's the... <laughs> I don't have a theremin, but you can build them because they're, they're like an electromagnetic instrument. Um, so it's one of these instruments where you hold your hand above it and it generates a tone based on how close mm-hmm. your hand is to it. Um, and so this, this whole thing is just a quote of, of that. And so these flying saucers, so obviously George Lucas loves movies from the 40s and 50s. Um, <clears throat> and Flash Gordon and all of those things were heavily, heavy inspirations for Star Wars and and like the tone of Star Wars and down to like, like they had planets that only had one climate on them. And those episodes started with a crawl in the beginning of them. If you watch those shows from the fifties, um, he wanted to put flying saucers in the prequels. Like there's concept art in the prequel concept books for these ships, but they couldn't get them to look right. Didn't know how to use them. They were originally going to be like the the Trade Federation blockade ships. They're going to be flying saucers, <laughs> and then they they switched to what they ended up being. And so, in an interview, Dave Filoni said, "Like, like we just had all these ideas, and this was on this is one of the things that George told us to figure out how to get into Clone Wars was a flying saucer. And since the pirates were also sort of a throwback to the 1950s because of like." all the pirate movies back then, um, like all the swashbuckling movies about like pirates and like heists and things. They wanted to have this colony of pirates to pay homage to that era of movies or that genre of movies. And they said like, well, why can't they have the flying saucers? And so they mocked it up and George loved the way they looked and they kept them. I love them. What do you think? Yeah, I think they're pretty cool. I, I, I like that. It's a, a callback, um, to the fifties. Those kind of, um, this uh this kind of the simpler uh designs yeah i'm I'm curious um from in from an in universe point of view how they work um because they we see them like shooting this like little shuttle out of it it looks like like a beam of light is coming out of the center and the shuttle flies out it's just so it's so perfect i I think it's such a good little detail to throw in there, but I'm very curious how they work. And I love that they keep using them, too. Right? So these are going to be in a bunch of other episodes. Right, sorry, I right. went on a tangent there. No, that's okay. Um, yeah, so Hondo says that he's the leader of the Clanker army and a Sith Lord. Dooku says he will pay whatever ransom he wants. And uh, Hondo says that he'll auction him off to the Republic because he knows that Dooku will just call in uh, his army to come get him. Okay, I'll, I'll wait. It's my commentary. Okay, so inside the cave, Obi-Wan and Anakin are using the Force to dig their way out. <clears throat> dig their way out. They drop a boulder and crack the floor, and the chamber, chamber starts to fill up with gas. 
Anakin and Obi-Wan start to pass out, um, which I thought they carry breathers, but maybe the breathers are just for underwater. Yeah, that's, yeah, I mean, (laughs) (laughs) when I was watching this episode tonight with the kids and Anakin gets like crushed by the rocks, um, I paused the show and I was like, all right, well, Anakin died. I'm not more Star Wars, guys. <laughs> and then when Anakin passes out, I pause the show again. I'm like, and Anakin dies. Uh, no more Star Wars, guys. No no Darth Vader. No, doesn't happen. All right. Yeah. Let's go to bed. <laughs> it's just, it's like, how many times can you die in this fucking cave? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I didn't yeah. even think of the breather thing. I was just thinking about like, like, yeah, he got crushed by rocks and then eaten by Gundark and then suffocated. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's some, um, that's some solid parenting that you're, you're going to do. <laughs> yep. It's, uh, it's I'm I'm their dad, so I'm genetically predisposed to shovel as much shit on them as I can. Yeah, hmm. I'm sure that's what uh, the Menendez brothers' father thought too. Uh, there you go. <laughs> I think your boys would be a lot smarter and wouldn't get caught. That's the whole. So- <laughs> <laughs> if I raise them right. <laughs> You have okay. selected regicide. <laughs> if you know the name of the um, royal being killed, press one. <laughs> so, uh, so they start to pass out when uh, Ahsoka blows open the cave. Uh, Ahsoka says that she's owing up, showed up just in time. Obi Wan and Anakin uh, brag about how they had the situation under control. Uh, another Gundark is uh, getting there, so the clones collapse the entrance in the cave. Um, Ahsoka is like not pretty much not believing any of that. Um, and it tells Ahsoka that Dooku got away. So in Palpatine's office, uh, Hondo is asking for 1 million credits for Dooku. This actually seems not a lot. One million dollars. Well, don't you think we should maybe ask for more than a million dollars? A million dollars isn't exactly a lot of money these days. On, uh, on a hologram, he presents Dooku. Um, Palpatine thinks it could be fake. Uh, Hondo shows uh, Dooku's lightsaber. Yoda confirms that that is his lightsaber. But Palpatine is not convinced. Hondo says that he will offer Dooku to the Separatist Council. Pat may ask if two Jedi can confirm that Dooku is in custody. Hondo says that they can come if they are unarmed. I do like, again, I just like this scene. Because it just shows, we sort of sidestepped it. I don't know if you want to go back and talk about it at all, but like Hondo's conversation with Dooku um, establishes that Hondo's not an idiot. Like Hondo's not going to fall for Dooku luring him into a trap, right? And mm-hmm. there's a lot of there's a like I watch anything I can find on these episodes, and there's an interview with um, Filoni and the head writer for the episode. Basically saying, like, we had to make it believable that Dooku could have been captured by these people. Um, And so that's why there's always, like, 50 of them around, all with guns. Like, yeah, Mm -hmm. Dooku might have been able to fight his way through there, especially if he had a lightsaber, but he was disarmed and overwhelmed. And so, like, Hondo is being competent. And it's strange to see a competent villain in this show, especially someone who's not like Dooku. Yeah, and the fact that he's able to... Um, not uh, resist any kind of like mind probe or something from that Dooku might do. That's a good point. Because as far as he knew, uh, Dooku knew he was just some greedy, uh, some greedy pirate. Until uh, Hondo double crosses him, so Hondo was able to keep everything on the sly. 
and uh, pull one over on Dooku. Okay, so um, so Mace Windu and Yoda tell Anakin and Obi-Wan that they'll go to Florham to see if Dooku has been in fact captured and that they'll go unarmed. Obi-Wan and Anakin arrive on Florham and are immediately surrounded by armed pirates. They are scanned for weapons and allowed to enter the compound. They are taken to the banquet hall where they meet Hondo, who is drinking bright green liquid. He then offers the Jedi a drink, which uh, they turn down the drinking congratulate him on capturing Dooku. Hondo tells a fictional tale about uh, capturing Dooku, basically a big battle. Hondo's the hero. And Anakin doesn't believe this story, and he does see that he has his lightsaber, so he uses the force to grab his lightsaber. Then they get a bunch of guns pointed at him, and the monkey lizard comes and takes the lightsaber back. Obi-Wan says they have no quarrel with the pirates. They just want to see Dooku and be on their way. Oh, I, I actually, I thought I realized something that when Hondo asks for the 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 ransom, he asks for it. Says he's not actually for a million credits for a million credits worth of spice. Yeah, that's a good that's a good um, point to make. Um, so he actually asks for. In, in one version of the show, or in an earlier version of the script, he asks for shimmer silk spice, a million credits worth of shimmer silk spice. But I think in the actual aired episode, he asks for spice. Um, so he wants them to do a drug deal with him. It's a wonderful detail. Yeah. It's like, yeah, just give me a ton of coke. <laughs> <laughs> well, it makes sense from like his point of view. He doesn't want to get like marked money. Right. Right. Or who knows how their money works. Right. So maybe it's traceable or they could like track it down later or do something to it or inactivate it. But if you just like give me drugs, it's like diamonds. Right. I just want a bunch of uncut diamonds. Yeah. Right. It's just something that that would be good anywhere he went and he knows where where to offload spice and how much it's going to be worth. Right. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, he can he can take a bump. Mm hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, if he's like, they're just giving him like NFTs or whatever. Let's say it's no good to him. Yeah, and the shimmer silk spice, which is is brought up in other books and other pieces of media, is a type of spice um, made out of spider webs of spiders who have consumed spice, and it's considered higher quality. Um, it's like that Kopi Luwak coffee. Have you heard about that stuff? Where it's eaten by a civet. And then the civet shits it out, and then they roast those coffee beans. That sounds vaguely familiar. I know that there's like ones that like people like chew on or something, and then there's a, I know there's there's a beer there's a beer from South America called chicha um, that's actually made out of corn. Um, the corn doesn't have um, enough amylase in it to convert the starch by itself, and so people chew on the corn because there's amylase enzymes in your mouth. You secrete them to help break down food, and then they spit the chewed corn into a bucket and then boil it, and and that's what converts the starch in the corn into fermentable sugars. I've had chicha. It's good. Okay, maybe that's what I was thinking. Yeah. <laughs> you're, uh, you're getting drunk on somebody else's lukies. It's 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 further removed than that, right? Because it gets. But you're right. Yes, it's 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 gross. <laughs> like. If you th- if you think too hard about it, it sounds gross. Well, if you it's, think it's boiled, yeah. I mean, honestly, if you really think about like 
any like modern foods or like how we get the colors for certain foods or candies like that's a rabbit hole you don't want to go down yeah yeah there's there's anal glands involved in some of that stuff right <laughs> right you're expressing like the anal glands of beavers to get like artificial raspberry flavoring and shit um i d- didn't moving on do you want to talk about science this episode or not (laughs) (laughs) okay i mean i was just talking about like certain ground up bugs or whatever to get like certain red dyes but that's i was wrong the anal glands of beavers produce artificial vanilla flavor not artificial Uh, raspberry flavor oh my god (laughs) (laughs) God. well so if ever Whenever I see something that has artificial vanilla flavor, I'm just going to be like, just smack it out of somebody's hand or just, just like slap the waiter or waitress and be like, no. But the, nope. it, goes, it goes to your point that if you think about it too hard, it's gross, right? Like lots of things are gross, but it's just all material, right? It's like we're all just recycling yeah, the same like, carbon over and over and over again. Yeah, like um, you're, what are you, you're, you're eating horse hooves when you eat jello, right? So... I think my example was grosser than that, but yeah. Yes. Right. <laughs> well, I couldn't think of a I couldn't think of a grosser one, so. God, man. Anyway, I just had so, I just had, I just had like some pancakes that tasted like vanilla. <laughs> <laughs> so that was actually eating beaver butt juice pancakes. It is a source. It might not be the only source. <laughs> I don't oh, know. Do you, do you? Do you remember that thing I put on? Um, I know you're not on social media that much, but you remember when during the pandemic I would put up those science posts for people? Mm-hmm. I had that post about horseshoe crabs for the uh, um, clotting assays they do for testing vaccines, and how and how one of the ways to test um, do an endotoxin test for vaccine during vaccine manufacturing is that they test it using the blood, they have a clotting assay, they use the blood of horseshoe crabs, which is actually blue, um, in in the test. And so there is a whole scientific industry centered around the capturing and harvesting of horseshoe crab blood for these tests. And yeah, there's, like, when you go digging into molecular biology and things, it gets weird fast. And so there's... I can send you tons of photos of labs, of people in lab coats draining the blood out of thousands of horseshoe crabs to test vaccine batches during the pandemic. I'll, 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 I'll pass. That's, hmm, I'm, hmm. Okay, I'm just going to move on now because my stomach's starting to turn a little. Okay, I'll stop. <laughs> okay. Okay, so, um, oh, bo, 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 bo. Um, Obi Wan. Um, oh, right. Um, see, they don't have a quarrel with the pirates. They just want to see Dooku, and they'll be on their way. Obi Wan and Anakin are taken to the cell where Dooku's being held. Uh, he's being held very much like how uh, Obi Wan was in Episode Two. Dooku taunts Obi Wan and Anakin. Dooku calls the pirates devious, deceitful, and stupid. Uh, Dooku says that Anakin and Obi Wan are underestimating them, which knowing what I know. Is yes, yes they are, but uh, at the same time it's like, oh, they captured you, right? Yeah, it's it's hard to tell for me. It's hard for me to tell if Anakin and Obi Wan are underestimating them or if they're just taunting 
Dooku because immediately after this, Obi Wan's basically like, like we need to be on guard for these guys. Yeah. No, yeah, it's like uh, I was thinking like, well, they they rolled you, old man. They got you to send a bunch of money to uh, through Western Union to uh, some scammer in uh, Nigeria. <sighs> okay, so let's see. So Obi, oh, whoops. All right. So Anakin complains that he's tired, needs rest, and Obi-Wan reminds them that they are likely in the middle of a trap. Like you said, Obi-Wan doesn't trust the pirates, um, so they're invited to a weekway banquet after they kind of check in and let them know, let the Republic know that Dooku is in fact uh, there. In the banquet hall, um, Hondo asks the Jedi if they join them for a drink now. Obi-Wan's like, yeah, all right. It's fine. You see that their uh, drinks are drugged. Obi-Wan and Anakin use the Force to switch drinks with the people next to them as they're um, doing a cheer. So I thought this was um, not a cheer, but a um, oh, what's the term? A toast. A toast. Yes. And so like right, right as they're clinking glasses, they like swap glasses with the the weakways next to them, and then like um, before they drink, the other guys next to them drink, and all of a sudden you see them just like either pass out or fall over dead. I, yeah, go ahead and finish. Yeah, so that's and that's the end of the episode. All right, uh, I, there's there's some stuff I want to talk about, but especially like that last little thing. But let's start with, did you like it? <laughs> Overall, yeah, it's it's very, it's very much an episode where you just have to s- suspend disbelief on certain things. Like they use the force a lot more than they usually do, um, like in battles. But it's very like I don't know, just they have to do a lot of kind of stupid things like like everybody has to do a lot of stupid things or just be kind of out of character to kind of move the plot along um i mean i liked it overall yeah i think it's good i just think like we're obviously along for a ride um like it's it's very star warsy to have like random things happen and be pushed along like a random plot there's no reason why he's on florum except that the pirates are the ones that found him and there there is ticket off right so so what is the i guess one of the questions is is dooku ever actually captured in this episode or is he just pretending like to buy his time like is he just biding time what do you think uh can he just leave whenever he wants is my question yeah i don't know i think um let's say that's I don't know. It seems like he's genuinely captured, but the way he talks, um, I I don't I don't know. To be honest, I I, I don't I don't know. Um, he's not like super enraged. You would think that a uh, Sith Lord as powerful as him could like he could have easily sussed something out on the trip uh, to Florum, um, or not have completely let his guard down. I know it's not canon. Um, but have you read the Darth Plagueis book? No. So there's a scene in the Darth Plagueis book when Plagueis is about to be captured by somebody. doesn't matter who. And so rather than allow himself to be captured, he uses the force to basically atomize everybody in the room. Right? He just like just like blows them all into mist. Mm-hmm. And that's probably not something that Dooku can just do automatically. But I find it hard to believe that he couldn't like fight his way out of this. Although in interviews, Filoni was basically saying the intention was to show him captured, right? Show him captured and show him like maybe he's plotting an escape, but he, he doesn't see a way out of this immediately. 
and maybe part of his calm is his calculation. It's like he's like trying to figure out what, like maybe they all get drunk and make a mistake because they're all drinking all the time, right? Mm-hmm. They're pirates and they're getting shit faced on rum or whatever they're drinking, right? Some cheap alcohol, and and maybe that maybe that's what he's waiting for. Maybe just waiting for him to fuck up. But I don't know. Yeah, like yeah, because I don't know because they they. The force is one of those things that, like, it's they use it either they use it a lot um, or they don't, and they forget certain aspects of it. Like, if they were really that bad, like maybe he couldn't have done any kind of mind tricks on Hondo, but like one of his Hondo's un- underlings, he could have easily been just like release me, and the guy would have done it. Right. That's what I'm. This is sort of my thinking. It's like, like, is he actually captured? Seems like it. It also seems like, yeah, if he wanted to force his way out of it, like literally force his way out of it, use the force to get out of it. it seems like it's definitely in his wheelhouse. It's definitely in his skill set. Oh, yeah. sort of enjoyed him being captured. I think I think that makes the, the plot really interesting. I think it's cool to let Obi Wan, Anakin, and Dooku all stand in the same room and talk, and have it be so similar to that scene in Episode Two. I love it when they do this. Um, yeah. Personally. Yeah, Dooku could have been like, how's your arm? Uh, <laughs> oh, shit. Oh, no, I wish they did that. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, I do like the fact that it was like, that he's just captured by, he's hoodwinked. It's not like a, a big assault force, whatever. Finally, like, after a huge battle, he he, he surrenders. He just got conned. Right. Like he thought that he was smarter than them, and Hondo obviously knows who he who he who he is from like uh, from date like the moment he sets eyes on him. Yeah, I was curious about that too. Did he recognize him immediately, or did he Google him on the way there? Yeah, I'm pretty sure he knew who he was, or was able to discern it through. Right, because like, he the, he was saying he was, Yeah, you're I really like your sailship. You must be a wealthy guy, right? Yeah. <laughs> Right, yeah, he probably knew at that point. <laughs> yeah, it's like, you got such big muscles, you're so strong. Dooku definitely got played as a mark, um, where he, Hondo's greedy, but not, like, too greedy. Right, Hondo, but, wants, uh, Hondo wants to be compensated for the trip to Florham, right? Mm-hmm. But that's just a ruse to get him in their, in their control, to get Dooku in their control, get them on their ship, where they can rob him of his weapons, so he's even more at their mercy. Yeah, or, like, he's... Duke, who's thinking that he's ex- he's expecting some sort of double cross as far as like um, paying or or whatever, but he doesn't see the kind of an Ocean's Eleven sort of thing where he doesn't really see the you know, the actual uh, danger to him because he, he's so he's so busy thinking that they're, that they're probably going to screw him over on something, but it's really they're going to um, they're going to capture capture him and ransom him off. But just the whole idea that he he gets swindled that like like a super powerful person could just get like could get swind could get swindled by just some rando idiot that they weren't even out looking for him he was just like oh okay they're just like okay we'll just Count Dooku just fell on our laps we'll just uh, we'll capture him and ransom him off. So what do you think about the Weequay pirates and Hondo specifically? Since this is Hondo's introduction. Um, I've never been a big fan of the pirates. They've, it's just kind of, they're just kind of one-dimensional. For the longest time, I could not stand Hondo because um, he was just, con- it's just a constant double-crosser. Um, like, I, 
couldn't really understand why would they would create such a character. But um, I, I understand now he's just, you know, he's there to show that, like, it's not black and white. Some people are just literally just kind of pieces of crap and just out for themselves. And it doesn't matter what, because he, he's throughout the entire series, he's such like a swindler and a liar. Um, he he does some heroic things, but it's, it's usually always like after everything else fails. And he gets a lot worse. Like, like he does some really shitty things in future episodes. Mm-hmm. So we'll have to watch out on Hondo's growth from here. So about the weak way pirates. Um, so like I said, this is something that Lucas wanted. He wanted a pirate colony in Clone Wars. So they picked weak ways. And because they wanted it credible that Dooku could be captured by them, um, George basically told the animation teams that there had to be a lot of them. And this is still season one, and they're still trying to figure out how to do this. They're still trying to figure out how to animate. So every character they animate is super expensive. And so the way the animation director described it in an interview is he said, we made paper dolls of these characters. So they had a base weak way male and a base weak way female. And then they made 20 different prosthetics and five different outfits, like five different shirts, five different pants um, for the men and five for the women, five tops, five bottoms for the women. And they just scrambled them. And so some some of them had eye patches, some of them had robotic hands, some of them had robotic legs, some of them had robotic arms. And they just filled every scene with the same character over and over and over again with these slight variations and lowered the light in the hall and patted themselves on the back and said they did a good job. I'll say it looked great from even after knowing that it still looked great. Mm -hmm. And so this was their this was their attempt at sort of troop building, like really filling out with things that looked unique, um, but were not. That's cool. I um yeah, I like the des- um I like the design of Hondo because uh, they're all the weakways are pretty much they're very generic. They they look a lot similar to the ones who are on Java's seal barge. They got like the one braid, but Hondo's got he's obviously got like a full head of hair or the weakway equivalent of it. Right, Hondo was a independently designed like a fully designed character. And the weak ways were the weak way paper dolls were a separate design. But yeah, I agree that Hondo, I really like Hondo's design. And I'm, I'm glad that Hondo sticks around as a character into Rebels and beyond. Because um, mm-hmm. he's a character in lots of books and a Galaxy's Edge character now, right? He wanders around Disneyland. Um, yeah. You know, um, just a, do you have anything else about Hondo or the weak ways? Uh, no, no. I... I've just got a couple silly trivia things if you want to go through there but first oh first do you want to talk about the fortune cookie um whether or not it applies to this episode do you want to read it again yeah so the winding path to peace is always a worthy one regardless of how many turns it takes do you think this applies to this episode kind of i mean at the end they're like anakin's lamenting that the pirates were the ones to capture dooku and we wanted to just like yeah, well, maybe we can learn something from them. Like, they, they were able to do what we didn't. That's so, a good point. That's a good point. Um, I mean, so I, I guess you can kind of wedge it in. It's not really peace, but, like, at the, the end, there's a celebration thinking, hey, they've got Dooku. This is 
everything's going to everything's going to be great you know um so yeah i, I guess it fits somewhat i mean you not can perfect fit you convinced me i didn't think it fit but i guess thinking about it like that i can see see it fitting yeah i'd be interested in um finding out how they chose uh these for every episode yeah i so some of them get changed and when i can find find them i point those out but i couldn't find an alternative one for this one um maybe i can look into that in the future see if i can just find a a list of them um all right do you want to go on to the few things of trivia i have yeah please do all right so first thing there's a deleted line in this show that appears in a teaser um, basically the trailer for the episode, like next time on Clone Wars sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And it's when Dooku is first confronted by Obi-Wan and Anakin in his meditation room. Um, there is extra dialogue that got cut out of that episode and is never put back in. Um, a lot of these lines, when they get cut out of the released episode, when they went back to Disney plus those lines got put back in. Um, so Anakin, or sorry, Obi-Wan tells Dooku that he's under arrest to be taken to Coruscant to stand trial before the Senate. And then um, the rest of it, what they talk about, like Obi-Wan or Dooku saying that Anakin would, would be in a lot of trouble if Obi-Wan wasn't there to save him. All that stuff was said after that. Um, hmm. So there's a deleted deleted line. Um, and there's a link. You can find it. Uh, I can show you a link to it if you want. Um, then when they steal the shuttle, uh, during the escape, the shuttle that you rightly pointed out is the second phantom. Um, it was originally going to be a, uh, Saboeth fighter, starfighter, um, which is from the video game Jedi starfighter, which came out in 2002. Um, and this is a ship that, uh, it's basically a Trandoshan ship that they're going to steal. And that was the original. That was the original concept in the in the script, but it was changed to this shuttle because they already had a model built of it, and they're trying to save money because they're doing things. Anyway, they sort of look like um, birds of prey from Star Trek. Mm-hmm. That's pretty cool. Yeah, and then and then the last last little thing. Um, this is the first. Uh, first appearance in any Star Wars property, any canon Star Wars property of a um, Gundark. Um, right, yeah. So it's mentioned, like you quoted it, um, in Empire, um, that Luke is strong enough to pull the ears off a of Gundark and just throw away line. It's just a crazy, crazy sounding thing. Must have ears. Maybe it's completely covered in ears and it's very easy to pull, their, pull them off, but... But it's implied that it's some sort of predator, right? Some sort mm-hmm. of big animal that would be hard to pull the ears off of because now he's strong enough to do that. Well, also but, you find out it's got big ears. Them. Right. right. <laughs> so so the first description of a Gundark is in the Star Wars role-playing game um, where it describes basically what we see on screen. And and apparently the design team, when they knew they, they were going to do Gundarks, they took that design and elaborated on it a lot. Like they made them big like gorillas. They made them look more like bats. They made them look like bears. Trying to keep the, the, the spirit of the role-playing game there. But not just copying the role-playing game. 
And apparently they took all of these sketches to George and said, which one do you like? And he's like, I thought I thought you were going to do the role-playing game one. <laughs> and so they went back and drew the role-playing game one. <laughs> um, except they made minor changes to it. Like they made them a little hairier. Basically gave them like a big beard. Mm-hmm. Um, that wasn't in the role-playing game. And minor, minor changes like that. But it was just sort of a funny funny story where they're like, yeah, oh, yeah, we spent a lot of time on this, and George is like, no, just do it the way it was written. Um, so this was also the last episode where we have the benefit of um, Clone Wars Decoded. And in this episode of Clone Wars Decoded, we've talked about it in the past, but Clone Wars Decoded, and I forgot to do it for Lair of Grievous, which was one of the episodes, they, they basically re-released the episodes with a character from the show narrating what's happening like they're watching the show. And in this Clone Wars Decoded, Yoda is narrating what's happening on the show. And he says, at one point, I went through all of the little pop-ups. And some of, there, a lot of them are just trivia. Like, Obi-Wan can survive for 10 hours in a spacesuit. Um, Gundarks are native to whatever the hell that planet was called. Right? Vokar or whatever. Um, yeah. Uh, Vancor. Vancor, yeah. But one of the one of the pop-ups in the Clone Wars Decoded says that Rex is in command of the Jedi Cruiser because Yularen is recovering from injuries. I don't remember Yularen getting hurt. Do you? No. <laughs> I just I read it and it was like right. I was finishing the notes right before we started recording and I was reading through there and I'm like, what the hell are they talking about? Did Yularen get hurt in a previous episode? The previous episode was Lair of Grievous. I don't think he was in that. Um, and then Cloak of Darkness. I don't think he was in that. That's one where I'm checking the cast. I just don't think he was in it. He's no, not. He's not. So when the hell did he get hurt? Uh, off screen, I guess. Yeah. It, okay, but it's too... That's, don't put things off screen if there's plot implications. Anyway, maybe it was... I don't know. It's just a silly thing. Or it's like Rex is in command of this thing because um, because Yularen's injured. I guess maybe he's got turf toe or something. <laughs> and the last thing, I, I know I, I tend to put too much trivia in these things. But the last thing is Vancor, the planet. And it is a planet covered in crystals. So that's, that's the, that is the climate of that planet. Crystal planet. Mm. Anyway. Yeah, no, that's good. That's cool. I, to be the writer who gets to just come up with stuff like this, like, like, oh, this this background stuff's happening. This this is Crystal Planet. Rex is uh, in charge because you learn he's got diarrhea right now. So uh, he has some bad clams. Yeah, because <laughs> it yeah, because it's those are like things that don't really like little. Those are total Star Wars points that don't don't make. Mm, make like they don't make or break the episode or the plot but sometimes nice little um nice little things how every character has a name yep every character has a name cool all right i don't have anything else in this you have anything else you want to talk about no i don't so you want to go to the rankings yeah sure okay so now's the time in the show where we rank an episode we rank an episode by a star wars character 
So a really great episode would be an original trilogy character, Han, Luke, Leia, Vader, Chewie, etc. A really bad episode would be, hmm, I don't know. Um, let's see, the, um, that sing- the singer who Boba Fett is hitting on uh, in Return of the Jedi, or maybe not the singer, but she's just one of the slave girls. Yeah, the dancer. Yeah, I could have really done without that. But um, all right, so Matt, what is your ranking? Um, I'm gonna have to explain who this guy is, but you'll you'll recognize him after I describe it. But I'm going with Roron Korob, and Roron Korob is an Ithorian Jedi from the Tartavoski Clone Wars. He's like the oh, ham- hammerhead Jedi. Yeah. Um, pick him because I think he's cool. Makes me think a lot about what's possible with a character. And like a species, and I, I, I like this episode. It's, it's not super important, but it gives me a lot to think about. It makes me think about weak ways, and gives us Hondo, which is a going concern for like a hundred more episodes or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I have no idea how many episodes he shows up in, but it's a lot. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So I think. Yeah. I think he's my pick, Roron Korob. How about you? Hmm. Yeah. I. I I've I struggled to. Uh, I think on this because the the whole Dooku getting captured thing just seems kind of like that seems really stupid. They how the hell could he let himself get captured? He's he's that um, is he that are they are they just are they are they just writing this just in a way that like well he, he has to get captured somehow so why not this way? Um, or or is there more going on? Um, I don't know. I don't think there's that much more going on. But uh, I guess I would give this a, a like a, a Dex. So it's it's all right. I could Dex is an all right character. Um, Talking about the the Basilisk diner. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yeah, he's an all right character. You just kind of go with the flow um, with him, um, and so kind of go in with the flow on this one. But uh, yeah, so that's my ranking. I looked it up. Uh, Hondo appears in 18 Star Wars animation episodes across Clone Wars and Rebels. So we're going to get a lot more Hondo. Yeah, not too bad. Cool. All right. So you start uh, wrap it up. Yeah, go for it. Okay. All right. So just um, thank you uh, for listening. Um, as usual, we're glad anybody's listening. Um, be sure to... Um, tell a friend or um, loved one about us, somebody who's really into Star Wars or just general nerdy things. If you think we sucked, uh, tell somebody you really don't like about us and waste their time. But uh, we'll be back with the next episode of um, Clone Wars. Um, what's the name of it? Oh, shoot. It's called The Gun Gun General. The Gun Gun General. All right. Thank you for downloading and listening to this episode. We would also like to thank Jordan White for the use of his cover of Yub Nub as our intro and outro music. Please refer to the show notes for photos, clips, and links from this episode. Side effects from listening to Yubcast may include dizziness, dry mouth, a sense of confusion, and decreased sex drive. Serious side effects may include speaking in Ewok, speculating the origins of prequel characters, and wondering why two grown men discuss children's cartoons on the internet. For a complete list of side effects or to complain about the show, 
Please visit us on Twitter at YubCast or drop us an email at MoochVaderProductions at gmail.com. Thanks again. We'll see you again next week with a new episode. YubCast is not affiliated with Lucasfilm or the Walt Disney Company. Star Wars, its characters, and creations are the property of Lucasfilm and its parent company, the Walt Disney Company. YubCast is intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. Da 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 da